Welcome to the Christy Taylor Show. I'm your host, Christy Taylor. Super excited to be here in the month of March. And to kick things off, I want to celebrate women. It is Women's Month, and I'm going to go all the way to Toronto, Canada to celebrate an amazing singer-songwriter who is blowing up the charts with powerful music. We're talking Keisha Lee, singer-songwriter, musician. The Gemini Award-winning Toronto-born artist, Keisha Lee, has had music in her soul from a very young age, staying close to her Jamaican musical roots, singing in gospel and classical choirs. She shares her musical talents as a voice professor at Sheridan College, performing on many U.S., Canadian, and international stages from iHeart Reggae Showcase, Montreal, Toronto, London, U.K., New York, Afrofest, One Love Fest, to President Obama's inauguration. Lee's new single, Got Somebody, follows a string of successful releases, including My Love is Rare, Haley, and Let Go. With roots steeped in faith and belief, her new single focuses on human resilience written from her heart during COVID-19. Her connection with audiences everywhere is instant and her performances are unforgettable. I want you all to help me welcome to the Christy Taylor Show. None other than, yes, we're talking Keisha Lee. Hey, lady. Hi. <laughs> wow, all the way to Toronto. You know, I've been on a Toronto spree lately, having to talk to a couple of filmmakers. Cool. And now to talk to a singer-songwriter, it's so good to have you on the show. So, Thank okay, you. first of all, First of all, Jamaican roots, but you live in Toronto. Give me that backstory on that. <laughs> um, both my parents are Jamaican. Um, they uh, moved to Toronto and they had me. And then they moved back to Jamaica and um, and then they moved us back to Toronto. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. I... So you're one of the fortunate ones who had an opportunity to actually have some Jamaican influence as a child. So tell me about that. Um, it was great because I got to know my grandparents, um, you know, because after moving back to Canada, you, you know, you see them once a year or, you know, Christmas or, you know, whatever holiday. But it was great because I, I remember things like, I'm going to tell you the most interesting thing to me, two of the most interesting to me about living in Jamaica as a child. Um, actually, there are three things. One, going to school um, and coming back to Canada and having to be in a class to change the way I speak. I, you know, like it was, um, that was weird. Um, two, in being young and seeing Rasta men on the street and being very like being young and just being so like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm like four and I'm like amazed by these Rasta men. And I would say to my dad, I'm like, how come you're not like them? Oh, wow. uh, who, who are they? How come you don't speak like them? I would ask my dad that as a child. And I was just, uh, you know, amazed by these. And, you know, so anyway, I think nobody in my family is Rasta. <laughs> so explain that to me, because oftentimes in the States, you know, we don't understand the different subcultures. Uh, yeah. So when it comes to that, what exactly is a Rastafarian? A Rastafarian. The Rastafarian or Rastafarian? Rastafarian. Um, I think with dialect people pronounce it different. I say Rasta, Rastafari, Rastafarian. Um, Rasta is the belief in the divinity of Haile Selassie. Um, Rasta is a liberty. Um, it's the original uh, Christianity. You can learn a lot about Rastafari through the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, because um, that's the church in which Haile Selassie followed. Um, Rasta is also about um, the um, knowledge, um, upliftment of um, our people 
people so that we can know where we came from so we can spring forward. Um, and so we learn a lot about where we came from in Ethiopia and how what we need to do our way of doing things to go forward rather than a way that we were taught um, when we were stolen, you know, from our various lands. So um, Rastafari is a defender of all of that. And um, and it's something that's very dear to my heart. And it's mo mostly, mostly, I, I, I don't like when people call it a religion. Having said that, if someone were to say, what religion are you? I would say Rasta and just not really think of it as an issue in my head. You know what I mean? <laughs> because I, I understand. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm North American. I'm, I'm Canadian, right? So I just I know how we speak here, and I know how you know things are looked at sort of there, and and I and I love and I accept um, in all of that I'm presented to, and and speaking that way when needed, you know. Okay, so you speak to the fact that you're North American because, of course, yes, the majority of your life you lived in Canada. I've, I've grown up here, yes. So when it comes to the Jamaican lifestyle, could you explain mm -hmm. it to me? The lifestyle, liberty of Rastafari. Um, liberty of Rastafari has no the Jamaican lifestyle. You know, how does that differ from being Canadian? Some oh. of the nuances. Oh my goodness, there's so much. There's so much. I mean, I was just there a few months back, and literally, just the climate changes everything about my skin, my hair, my. So, like the the Keisha in North America is a different Keisha than Keisha in Jamaica. And that was, that's what it would be for everybody because you, you just, you're presented with um, a different, I'm not gonna say better, I'll just leave it as a different um, climate to deal with. And it changes how you, how you think, how you feel, um, you know, how you express yourself, how you, what you do in your day. You know, like here in Canada, when it's cold, I am mostly inside. When it is warm, I am mostly outside, you know, but I'm still getting all the things done that I need to get done, but maybe Maybe instead of going to the grocery store once for the week when it's warmer, I might just go to the market and pick up a few things one day and a few things another day. But when it's cold, I'm, I'm not trying to be outside too much, right? So it changes everything about you, you know? From So, I mean, that that alone, you could speak to many things. You could speak to the food, you could speak to the dialect, you could speak to, um, you could speak to, you could speak to mentality as well. You could speak to, there's a lot of things you could speak to. There's there's definitely a big, big difference in being in Jamaica and being in Canada, absolutely. Now, I have to tell you that one of the things that I loved about Jamaica really came from the influence of a movie called How Stella Got a Groove Back. <laughs> <laughs> now, without being totally an American, and I do mean American in the uh, sarcastic sense, are the men really that gracious? Because oftentimes in America, we, you know, bemoan, particularly in the U.S., um, the relationship between black men and black women. So that movie was a great fantasy for us. But is some of that true, just as you say, in the Jamaican culture? Yes. The Jamaican men are the most loving, the most thoughtful men you will ever meet, ever meet. Um, Jamaican men know how to treat women. And if they're not treating women well, it's, they just don't want to in that moment. But Jamaican men will treat you good. Having said that, <laughs> Jamaican men are like the smartest men in the world. I don't know, maybe some Nigerian men might argue with me on that point, but <laughs> but they are very smart, okay? And so you need to just be uh, very, they will be honest with you though. One thing about Jamaican men 
they're actually honest. They they will, yes, they will, there's people say they will trick you and you know, if you've been through Jamaican man, you've been through everything <laughs> because they're very smart, but they're they will draw you in because they are such loving people, you know what I mean? Um, but they are honest. So just speak up and say what you want and don't want and decide if you want to deal with what he wants. Because I think a lot of Jamaican men have a different idea of how they would like their um, intimate relationships to play out. And they will tell you that. They, they won't hide it from you. North American men will hide it from you. Jamaican men won't hide it from you. <laughs> so um, with that being said, I know that as a singer songwriter, and we can speak to very quickly, what inspired you and in what age did you realize that music was going to be your route? Yeah. I. I, I guess I sort of always knew um, because the story is that when I was a baby, before I could walk, I would crawl up the babysitter's steps to the piano where her daughter would play and, yeah. and sit, lay there. <laughs> and they would bring me back down and I would crawl up the steps again. So as long as I heard the piano, I would like need to be there and get myself there before I could walk. So from that, they knew they should put me in piano lessons. So I, from there, music's just been something that I... It just is me. I just always, there wasn't other options to me, you know, even when I'm going to school, there's just, there's no other option to me other than music in my mind. I don't think of other things, you know. Um, I'm. That was the first part of your question. Sorry. <laughs> which, is, which is beautiful because, okay, with that being said, as from a child to climbing and needing to uh, have music from day one, yeah. when did you decide to make it a profession? Because even though I have a lot of music friends who, you know, have quote unquote day jobs, but you know, they moonlight. Um, I know that you're a professor at a college doing yeah. voice. Well, you know, how did you make that decision as well? Right. Um, when I was 15, my piano teacher, since I was six, passed away, Miss Lou. And um, it was quite a great experience for me because she wasn't just someone I saw every week for all those years. She was also a, a Jamaican Chinese woman. Um, which is my family background, Jamaican Chinese. So going to her home for lessons felt like going home. You know, she would, you know, give me the tea and crackers, same thing my mom would give me at home while I'm waiting for the next student to run into the piano lesson, et cetera. So it was a very unique experience that I had and that I cherished. And I was devastated when she had passed away. Um, but at that time, I thought to myself, you know, I spent a lot of time at Miss Lou. I know a lot. I've seen her teach many people. Like my parents would drop me off at her house at like four o'clock and pick me up at eight o'clock at night. It was like babysitter slash piano lesson, sort of, you know, twice a week. And um, so from there, um, I just said to myself, you know what, I think I can do this. And so at 16, I bought myself a beginner's piano book. I read it. And at the time I started, I took myself to church. I told my family they had to go to church because this is what we're doing now. And um, <laughs> I, I'm always a spiritual person in my family. Okay, guys, get yourselves together. This is what we're doing. <laughs> and so I um so yeah I went to church and I asked I was playing I started to play piano at the church and they you know they asked me to sing and I said well do you mind if I solicit the kids at your church <laughs> so I can start teaching piano lessons because I don't like to work for people <laughs> and so uh, they said they said yes you know and it, it was it was at the church for a little bit and then they said you know it doesn't look it's not right that you're doing it here um and uh, you know we can't let everybody do it here but you know it's fine that we even advertise if you put it on the board or whatever maybe you could do it at home and i was doing it at home so it's something that as i i was born with the entrepreneurial spirit both my parents are entrepreneurs and then having that experience with mrs lou i just it just it was 
a no brainer. It was an automatic thought to me that I need to be doing this, you know? Um, and then from there, I just pursued um, tr more training so that I could, you know, continue on and teaching voice. I never planned to teach voice, but it just sort of happened because I, I was seeking the knowledge and, and I, I had that kind of heart too. I just, I always want to learn more, you know? So I'm always, anything I don't know, I'm pretty honest with, and then I run to figure out what what is it exactly that I don't know, you know? So that's that's me. I love the fact that, you know, one of the things that you are speaking to is your entrepreneurial spirit. And you say your family were entrepreneurs. What industry were they in? Yes, my father is a mechanic um, and he did electronics as well. Um, my mom was actually a nurse when she came to Canada, but then she became his secretary and they built business together. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. So as a professor of voice at Sheridan College, you know, where is that based in as far as Toronto? Is it like a community college, a four-year university? It's um, Sheridan College is a, it's a college, but they have a, the program that I teach, the students are actually from UFT, University of Toronto. Um, oh, okay. So there's, a, it's a dual program between the university and the college. Uh, Sheridan, I teach at Sheridan College in Oakville. There's campuses sort of all over the city. Oakville is just west of the city. I love it. Now, Keisha, as a singer songwriter, of course, from a child, piano lessons, teaching boys, you also have time and a need to create your own. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that particular journey. And let me tell you, I love your YouTube channel and your website. You are fabulous, honey. <laughs> so as far as your professional career, let's talk about that. Okay. Um, what aspect of the professional, the, my song? Yeah, anywhere you want to go in that regards, when did you actually start performing professionally and recording? Okay. Well, actually, I was singing in a choir, in many choirs, actually, for quite a few years before I had enough, you know, courage, with <laughs> enough self-love to say, you know, I write songs. I've been writing since I was young. Why am I not doing these things? And think, I guess it wasn't as easy then as it is now. But it, I mean, it, there's always there's always a way to do something at any stage, you know, but it was really just myself holding myself back, why I never did it earlier. Um, so I was doing, you know, it was probably 10 years of choir before I started to record my own songs. And, um, and when I started, I just felt, um, I felt a release. I felt like, I, I don't want to say powerful in a boasting sense, but like, I felt- like on the inside yeah, yeah. like I, I got something out that I was afraid of you know and um and I wasn't I don't feel I started when I was ready because there are videos from you know years back when I started that I've deleted off of YouTube and I oh my goodness that's what I sounded like and the 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 nervousness the, the stress of it all changes everything I even knew as a, you know, a schooled vocalist, you know, didn't even, none of that matters when your whole system is like scared, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Now, when it comes to your videos, I see that it's an integral part of your artistry. So are you working with local filmmakers as well? Yes. Um, the Got Somebody, the most recent one was by YJ Films. Um, so Yarin and he had about three other guys with him and they're students actually for here in Brampton. I'm, I'm, I'm in Brampton. I live in Brampton on the west side of Toronto. And I, actually, maybe they're Mississauga and Brampton. Anyway, we're in the West End. <laughs> and, uh, 
<laughs> but yeah, we got together. We had some mutual connections. Um, and I asked if I could link them and they were excited to work with me on this song and un understood the delicacy of the message and, um, and the timing of putting it out as well and trying to get things done in a difficult time. And, um, and it worked really well. I was really, I'm really grateful that I was able to work with them, that they were able to take the song on. And um, I really, I really prefer to have visuals for my songs. I have lots of songs and I have lots of songs without visuals, but I, I think people, people like people in, in this time want to see the visual and it makes them more interested and, you know, feel it a little bit more. So we're going to talk about your new song, Got Somebody. But before we do, when you talk about the visuals, are you also um, collaborating with the filmmakers and videographers in the story development? Because you're a writer, you're a singer-songwriter. Uh, so are you a part of that process as well? Yes. Um, Got Somebody is actually sort of just the story of how I created the song. Um, you know, I was I was living in my parents' basement at the time during the first wave and uh from there i i, I wanted COVID 19 yes yeah. yeah back in april and so I, I wanted to create my music but the studios were closed and i was a bit nervous not understanding what was going on or how we could you know go about you know life again for music and so i went to i had some old equipment that I hadn't even seen in years and I thought I could use this to make a studio. I just need a couple things at the music store and I'll be good. So I wrote my song. I went to the music store. I got my stuff, you know, came back and put my mini little studio in my parents' basement together and, uh, and recorded it. And uh, it wasn't, um, it wasn't perfect and it was a bit raw and not the best recording, but because um, it wasn't all new equipment or anything, it was a lot of old stuff and new stuff, but it was, um, it worked. And I and that's and that's what I put out, just something that was personal, um, like a personal uh, message of hope and love to the entire world. Well, let's take a quick quick peek at the song. Watch to know that I'm there for you, I care for you, I pray for you. very hard, you know, warming. Um, I take it that, you know, in Toronto, as in the States, you know, as in Canada, all over the world, that a lot of people felt a lot of isolation, you know, the very fact, like you said, you couldn't really go about your normal life, your normal activities, you know, so how did COVID-19, you know, impact you as an individual and as an artist? Right. Um, as an artist, it changed everything, everything because even I was, I was going to put out a song, a dance hall pop song um, about, you know, being, having fun, um, being free, uh, you know, going out with, you know, feeling good. I got my berry smoothie and I'm good. And like, yeah, <laughs> it was just not appropriate message for COVID-19 and it still isn't, you know, and, you know, I got my high heels on and all that stuff. So anyway, I, um, I, I couldn't release that. I had, I, I mean, I had a full on plan. Like I wanted, there were dancers. It was, it was insane. <laughs> so I, I had, that had to stop. That had to stop. And I, and I, and there were a lot of personal things happening too, um, with everybody around me. Um, and, uh, and it was, it was, it was difficult to even know how to plan forward 
with and dealing with so many personal you know, family and friends issues as well and and trying to be there for each other and myself and and it's just all the uncertainty so um you know when i um when i decided to, when i wrote got somebody i just was like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this like i'm just gonna find a way to do this and 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 get through and and I I was grateful that my teaching I was teaching before Sheridan College like my private teaching um, my teaching I had already started to transition to online teaching a few months back and so I I'm grateful every day that I was given that token that nugget in my spirit to do that because um, I had I had already had flyers and I had already started to tell people to do online because I had just moved from Montreal. So I was basically telling my, you know, my students in Montreal, you know, we could still do lessons online and anybody else who all over the world wants to do lessons, we can do that too. And you know what I mean? Like three, four months later, it's COVID-19. So that part of it, I set up, right? And so I was grateful for that. But as far as performing, I mean, performing was my number one thing. And I was, I was performing, in Montreal, I was performing three, four times a week. Um, I had been set up with another corporate entity which uh like i had been in montreal and I, they had already booked me for something and that was beginning to usher in i had already, i had done my i'd done a musical theater show and some other shows but it wasn't uh, you know i was building up to where i was again and all of that is cut there's no performances anywhere unless it's online and it's, and it's totally a different level of performing and the whole thing behind it you know um so that was that was devastating and and that's too why I was so grateful for Sheridan to knock on my door and ask me if I'd be interested in taking the position. Um, it was a position I've been prepared for. I said it to myself years before, about 2016, that I wanted to teach in a university when I was older. And I wrote a four-year program <laughs> and I put it on my bookshelf. <laughs> yeah, I did a jazz, I did a jazz voice program and, and I forgot about it. And then when I had done the music theater show just before COVID, my acting coach from that said to me, you know, we need someone like you teaching our actors voice. And I said, I, I would love that. I, I would be honored to do that. Wow. You know something? I'm just listening to how the divine constantly is guiding your life. Yeah. And uh, 100%. Uh, yeah, 100%. And I know, as you stated, that musical theater is a part of your uh, creative expression. Yeah. And even in your music videos i can tell that you know you're definitely delivering artistry on that level and how did you begin that particular path of your creativity beyond singing well i'm just i i, I didn't i like i'm a very passionate person i'm a cancerian um um and i everything i do i can't sing without emotion i can't sing without telling the story i can't like i, I can't tell a story without telling it you know what I mean being and to me that's being genuine to the story because I to, that means I understand it so then I can express that to you so I um the musical theater show that I did just before COVID was my first it was my musical theater debut it was my first one <laughs> and I yeah I auditioned and I got in and the reason why I had an acting coach um actually I shouldn't say the reason but it kind of was in order for me to have that job I, they said, well, we know you're a singer, but you're clearly not an actress. So could you take some lessons? Because we think you could pull this together if you would just, you know, get some lessons. And so I did that, you know, and that was the lady who eventually gave me the voice job. So, wow. Yeah. Okay, well, congratulations to you, Keisha, on Thank all you. the success that you have and all the things that you do. 
We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to find out new ways that we can keep up with you and what you have planned for 2021. Toronto, Canada, singer-songwriter, a Gemini Award-winning singer-songwriter. I would love to know more about what was Gemini Awards. It was, you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I feel like it's a little bit high. But yes, I, I did win a Gemini Award. I have it right here, in my window actually. <laughs> um, it was for songwriting. I was part of a group, Sharon Riley and Faith Carell, um, some years ago, and we did a, a joint effort with Julie Black, who's an amazing Toronto singer. Um, and our 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 song and our efforts led to getting that award. Well, congratulations! And Thank also you. in the bio that really appealed to me, you said you had an opportunity to perform in relations to the Obama inauguration. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell me about that experience. Yes, the inauguration. The I was part of a group called the Nathaniel Deck Perel, and the Canadian Embassy invited us to be part of the inauguration um, as a gift to Obama. And so we sang at the Canadian uh, um, Embassy for him. Oh, that's beautiful! And you know, do you come stateside often? And if so, what's your favorite state? No, I don't come stateside often, but. Um, Okay, I love New York. I love New York. Um, I would. I need to go to Miami because I only experienced it as a child, and um, and TV makes it look so enticing. <laughs> and there's a lot of Jama <laughs> there's a lot of Jamaicans in Miami too, so I think it would be cool. Um, and then and then California. I really want to go to California. I've never been there, but that's. I mean. I'm an artsy person. Of course, I want to go to California, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm from the South. So first of all, my brother used to live in Miami. He's now a little so, uh, north of that in a suburban city in Florida. Uh, and of course, he used to live in New York. I visited there and it was a little, I, I love New York to visit, but it's like, whoo, this might be a little too fast for me. But I did live in LA and I like the vibe of LA. So there's like a East Coast, West Coast, you know, the, as far as the energy and the vibe. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, but we're in the uh, what we call the dirty, dirty, honey, the dirty, the deep rural south, um, Memphis, Tennessee. And of course, if you know anything about music, you know about Isaac Hayes and Al Green, the Barquet. I mean, uh, a hotbed of soul, both mm -hmm. past, present. Of course, you got to talk about BB King's Elvis Presley. It's just a litany of musical talent here, as well as the other arts and jazz and music. The Earth, Wind, and Fire. Maurice White was from here. You know, Aretha Franklin was born in Memphis. So, yeah. Now. I was DC, I was born in Washington, DC, but my mother, as many Southerners, they'll bring their children back south to quote unquote raise us. So right. uh, but Tennessee area has been home majority of my life, but I have lived other places. So but I, I've only been to Canada when I was living in Detroit and we go across the uh Windsor Bridge. So whatever city that was, was that Windsor? Windsor I think yeah. it was yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're from uh Detroit. So that's the only time I've ever had my feet on Canadian soil. But this has been a delight. Keisha, um, now, how can people stay in the loop with you, and what do you have for us in 2021? 
Well, I would like you to guys to go to my website and uh, view the video. That's one thing. Then you can follow me on Instagram, K-A-I-S-H-A-L-E-E, -E, where you can keep up to date with things that are coming up because there are things coming up. Um, I will have a new single out over the next... I'm going to say April. I'm going to say April. We're getting it together. It's being mixed and mastered now. We're sort of figuring out what we should do with it. But um, there is something coming. Um, and um, and I think that if you like Got Somebody, um, then maybe I hope that you will also like this one. It's not along the same genre, but um, it's still of an upliftment message and something a little more up-tempo that I hope that everybody can have a little fun too. I must tell you that I love your reggae. Of course, I do love reggae and soca. So I, I, I was on your YouTube playlist. So thank you, Keisha Lee. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. For being here on the Christy Taylor Show. And for those who would like to know more about her, please be sure to follow her on her social media and her website, which again, is fabulous. Thank you all. Thank See you. you next time.